Hi, and welcome to episode 272 of No Crying in Baseball, the Happy New Year, the Revenge of Christmas episode. My name is Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Happy New Year. Yeah. We are recording on New Year's Day. After being here New Year's Eve till the wee hours. So yeah. um, we did take a break. You know, we weren't together constantly. Yeah. Um, I, I, were you hungover? I was not hungover. I was mighty hungover. Green. I woke up in the middle of the night and took my ibuprofen. So actually, it wasn't a disaster this morning. I did instigate the the bad idea shot at one in the morning or something like it was, that. No, it was like 12 to 12. It was early. It, it was, yeah. It was after the champagne. I, but we champagned like right at midnight. It must right. have been like 12 right 30. After. I hadn't okay. even finished my champagne when the shot appeared. In front okay. Of me. That was efficiency. <laughs> All right. There was efficiency, and I had a designated driver, so I thought this isn't as bad an idea as it could be. Right. Right. So, and it, it went down very smooth. So that it was okay. very so, yummy. Yeah, I was really just dehydrated and I managed to sleep and I was okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, so it's the Revenge of Christmas because I brought um, Potty Mouth a Christmas beer from upstate New York. Mm. It's called Two Xmas and it's brewed by um, Southern Tier Brewing Company. And they are from actually Western New York and also apparently have places in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, which interests me quite a bit. Oh. So I found this very delicious. And as you may remember from last week's episode, I was a little ticked about. Christmas getting, um, you know, <laughs> diluted a little. So I'm, I'm I'm now diluting New Year's with a little bit of Christmas. Sure. With a, diluting New Year's with a little bit of beer is good. And this is a large, did you say crowler? I'm, I'm, it's I'm, a crowler. Okay. Yeah. So it is, it's a large amount of beer that we're now, what's the alcohol percentage, you know? Um, the perfect. Yeah. It doesn't have, it doesn't say, so we're just going to say so, it's got some. Yeah. So we've got, you know, a little bit of fig, a little bit of cardamom, a little bit of orange. Oh, it smells so um, good. So yeah, it's, it's definitely holiday beer and it, smells it makes me very happy. And we have so much to celebrate today. So celebrating new beginning, new year, that's a good thing. We have a new Patreon subscriber. Hooray. Which I'm very excited about. We are so close to breaking even. So we, there will be more details later in the podcast if you guys want to help us break even. But I want to say many, many thanks to Sonia Fieldmeyer, who is our first Canadian paying Patreon. We've just gone international. So we are international. Welcome, Sonia. And yeah, and they're interested in signing up for our Fantasy League also. So more details on that later. But that's becoming a popular thing. So I don't know. You're the commish, so you decide... All the things. I may fantasy. have to um, to streamline the stupid, stupid rules mm. to make it a little easier on me if right. we're going to manage more people. But I, I'm really excited about new blood, new excitement. Yeah. Excellent, welcome, Sonia. We're happy to have you. Um, other excitement is we talked last week about how we should really consider just biting the bullet and getting tickets for going to Miami for the World Baseball Classic. So as soon as we signed off last week, we did that. Well, we almost did that. We did part of it. We did a, the, we a did, big part of it. Right, right, right. We did a big part. And this is, of course, after drinking last week. And I was the one with the credit card and the computer. So it just it was, There were a lot of tabs open. <laughs> and there were a few of us just watching Potty Mouth carefully. Right. And Mr. Potty Mouth just kept saying, it's her credit card. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we are booked on Southwest Airlines. What could go wrong? <laughs> and we have an Airbnb that we snagged that is a block from the baseball park. So anybody who's going to the World Baseball Classic or lives near Miami, please hit us up because we're going to have like a party situation. We, we, would love, we would love to have a little meetup. So we are going the 17th. We're going for the two, two quarterfinal games and a semifinal game. That's the plan. Yeah. So if you're going to be around the weekend of the 17th, the World Baseball Classic, and you want to meet up, we would love to see you. So let us know about that. Mm-hmm. Yay, Miami. We just need the game tickets now. Yeah, we're going to work on that really soon. Yeah, we, we, have a, we have a plan. It's yeah, top secret, but we have a plan. On today's show, conversations with dad, a police blotter that is actually a police blotter. We've got boyfriends on the Rangers and the Rockies. We have updates on the minor league CBA progress. Our international baseball features the Serie de Caribe, the W, uh, the World Baseball Classic. I'm giving you abbreviations. It's the World Baseball Classic and Women's Baseball World Cup. Woohoo! So I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing segment, but I find myself very often texting you with, you know, I just had this talk with dad. And actually, the most exciting part I left off of this. So I'll, I'll tie that at the end. But There's my, more? Yeah, yeah. But, and I think I told you the other part, but not, not our, our lovely listeners. Um, so in this week in Conversations with Dad, 
Dad's been feeling a little bit down about the Red Sox, uh, to say the least. A lot of bit, a lot of complaining. Very excited about the Bruins and the Celtics, not so much about the Red Sox. But he purposely told me that he's feeling better about this deal that everybody's kind of slamming the Red Sox for spending too much money on Masataka Yoshida from Japan, because, and this is like a shout out to you, Adam Jones said it's okay. So Adam Jones, former Oriole, also just lovely person played in Japan in 2020 and 21 with Yoshida and called him the Japanese Juan Soto. Oh, and we like the Juan Soto. Especially when he plays well, yeah. So, and, and known for uh, being able to see the ball, meaning not swinging a lot unless it's in the right place. So he walks a lot and hits a lot and does not swing out of the zone. And I'm really, really hoping that he can hold a little what what's left of the Red Sox together. I'm I'm feeling a little bit better about cheering for the Red Sox this upcoming year because I feel like it's a yay old guys thing. So they just signed Corey Kluber, yep. former Cleveland player, for a year, which seems like a reasonable amount to do for a 36-year-old, but you know, two two times former Cy Young winner, 10 million dollars. He's 36 and that seems to be I don't, I don't think it's the average age, but there are a lot of guys in the mid-30s, which I think is sort of like older guys in the baseball, baseball world. Chris Sale's getting up there at 33, and ugh, I don't know, they could trade him for all I care, honestly. But <laughs> Jansen, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about actually having a closer. He's 35, though. Chris Martin, that they also got for the bullpen, 36. And then Justin Turner is 38. So that's not much a of a pitcher lot. here. Not a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. So the, the other one's pitchers, clearly. Justin Turner, uh, probably DH most of the time. Maybe spelling first and third once in a while. 38 years old. But just a little bit of that, I don't know, the, the wisdom of the team, right? Like that, that knowledge, that experience, the voices of experience. I just hope that their bodies, like, all hold together. There's also James Paxton might be okay for pitching, and he's in his 30s. A lot of 30-somethings. It could be the Red Sox 30-something edition That's this right. year. That's right. Well, you know, the, the, hopefully it's not just the leadership, like you said, but mm-hmm. also the, the performance as well. But that's that's actually pretty okay. I think that's going to be pretty okay. Although I'm with you on Chris Sale. He could, yeah. yeah I, just I, not, I don't require Chris Sale anywhere. Not a fan. He's a just fan. got quite an attitude. And I... Yeah. But dad's happy. But dad's but dad's happy. Not about Chris Hill. He could also get rid of Chris Hill too. He's not so happy with him. But he's happy about Corey Kluber. He's happy about um, Yoshida. And another fun fact, my dad, not, and I don't think he listens much anymore, so maybe he'll uh, listen to this episode. I but, know what you're going to say. he's 90 years old, and he goes to work out at the Y often, which is just fantastic. So he, he'd been going three times a week. He's like, amping up to four times a week he asked me do you think that's okay and I said yeah well if you feel good you know go for it just alternate arms and legs yeah yeah, yeah. And, and he does like, I'm he does. sure he's being told that though <laughs> right right so he of course um he doesn't do the like the personal training sessions but he chats a lot with the folks at the Y including the trainers there and a lot of the trainers there also have private gigs because they're you know working at the Y and one guy who dad works out with is also the trainer for Carl Yastrzemski. And I should have looked up Yastrzemski's age. He's got to be in the 80s. He's, I know he's younger than dad, but probably not I think by a th- much. This, this story is only going to get better when they start going out to lunch together. Right. When your dad and, 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 and Carl Yastrzemski start, like, hanging out. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think that's pretty cool, like, bragging rights. My dad has the same trainer as Carl Yastrzemski. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, a few uh, years ago, it would have been really cool. But now it's still, it's <laughs> no, still it's pretty, lovely. pretty cool. It's lovely. Um, hey, so, well, okay, number one, I just want to say I'm very happy that former Oriole Adam Jones has a positive effect on your dad. <laughs> yes. That makes me feel yeah. good. Um, but number two, also um, former Red Sox David Ortiz, you might remember that in 2019, there was an attempt yep. on his life. He was shot in the back at a bar in Santo Domingo, the Dominican Republic. Um, it's the hypothesis is the target was possibly the person he was sitting with. Like he wasn't actually, it wasn't intended for him. Yeah. But he, in fact, you know, did end up in the hospital. It was it was scary for a while. He's okay now. Oh, huge. Um, so just just this week in a Dominican court, 
10, 10 people were convicted in the murder attempt, two people for 30 years each, eight more ranging from five to 20 years in jail. Three were acquitted because of lack of evidence. One of those was actually the person that was um, being uh, mentioned as possibly like the mastermind, the ringleader, the person who thought this whole thing up. So the charges for this group of people include criminal organization, use of illegal firearms, attempted murder, and complicity. So there's going to be a formal reading of the sentence in the beginning of, I think, February 8th, beginning of February. So we'll know more then. But that is a lot of people for it that is. incident. It's a lot of people. And so, you know, the, the actual target, I remember there being some sort of um, just disbelief because he does not look like Big Poppy. And I mean, you know, David Ortiz is is a large person and pretty easily to, to pick to be picked out of a crowd and not a doppelganger for the guy who theoretically but, they were going after. I mean, the way I read it was it could be just terrible aim. Yeah, that too. You know, a terrible aim. I, th- I think so, somebody had, yeah, jumped off probably. of like a motorbike or a motorcycle or something. Yep. So there was a lot of movement, a lot of action. I think it was bad aim more than mistaken yeah. identity. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing that Ortiz has come back, you know, from this horrific injury and just still to become such- a commercial success. Yeah. Anywhere, right? <laughs> Right. Starting up new businesses here and there. Go back to past episodes for details on that. But just a charm. I mean, I, I don't know. I adore David Ortiz. Hero. Hometown hero. All right. We're going to move into our baseball boyfriends. Yay. These are the guys that we've been picking in the offseason. We each pick one guy per team because ideally they're good at baseball. But also, more importantly, there is something cool and fun to talk about. And we go from the bottom of the barrel, teams with the worst record, and we are working our way up. Every week we do one AL, one NL. And this week we are up to the Rangers for the American League and the Rockies for the National League. So first with the Texas Rangers. I'm feeling a little resentful. I don't... I guess I wish well for the Rangers. I'm not so sure. They've got those that old Bush... Did the Bushes still own them? There was... They had possibly, like possibly. Been, I don't know. Yeah, I know. There's like a big it bush mean connection. That, I'm, I'm, that, that it's not going to stop me from possibly picking Rangers pitching this year. Oh well, it, it could happen. Well, there is a good reason to pick Rangers pitching, and a good reason for me to be pissed off at the Red Sox because two of their starting rotation are former Red Sox players. They just signed Nate Valdi, which just like, ouch. That just it just hurts. The thing that hurt about that is I wanted him to go to the Orioles. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted the Red Sox to sign him again. They they announced the Kluber thing right after Evaldi was announced to the to the Rangers. So it softened the blow a little bit, but you know, just remembering him in 2018 it's 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 painful. And also um, Martin Perez, they had last year as well and did much better with the Rangers than he did with the Red Sox. So I guess I wish the best to both of them. I'm also going to be rooting for my new ba- boyfriend, Nathaniel. You know what? I should have looked it up. Now I'm thinking because I'm remembering he's Brendan Lau. He's low. But I think this guy's low. He's low. He's low. Yeah. He's low. But he's high in my, you know, in my esteem. There you go. Nathaniel Lowe, first base, 27 years old. And I picked him off the bat um, because the first thing I read about him contains some potty mouth language. And so I thought, I can identify with this guy. He had a breakout year, huge breakout year offensively, but some defensive struggles. I think he's going to get it under control. I mean, we we do love the defense. Defense is sexy. Nathaniel did not have very sexy defense last year. Matter of fact, in the, in the Athletic, I believe, he said, I can still fuck it up with the best of them <laughs> after a, a egregious error. And when he was asked to sum up his year at defense, he called it shit. So I, I very much appreciate his honest, you know, looking over his, his year and reflecting and saying it like it fucking is. And he did mention, though, that he thinks he can approve. And he, he referred to some of our past, your past, these are both your past baseball boyfriends, Freddie Freeman mm-hmm. and Marcus Simeon. Mm-hmm who um, took a few years to get the defense together, and they both made it to gold glove status. So Nathaniel's saying that he can do it too. The offense is impressive. He is the first Ranger since 2016 to have, an, and this is actually says something about the Rangers, to have over a 300 average in a qualifying season, meaning that he played enough games to qualify for that season. So the Rangers' averages haven't been above 300 in a season for a while. 
The last two guys who did it were both former NCIB baseball boyfriends, Elvis Andrews and Adrian Beltre, when we picked um, buddies for that year in 2018. So he grew up surrounded by sports. His dad was a ball player. David was drafted by the Mariners in good old 1986, one spot ahead of Joe Girardi. But he turned it down. He didn't go to MLB. He played, he went to the Naval Academy, played both football and baseball for four years, but apparently passed down his love of sports to both of his kids, Nathaniel, and he has a younger brother, Joshua. The two of them excelled in baseball and were drafted the same year, despite the fact that Joshua is a couple, I think two years younger. Uh, Nathaniel was drafted out of college in the 13th round, and so this is like a magic 13. His brother was drafted right out of high school, 13th overall. Wow. Yeah, so lucky 13 for this family. The cool part is that they both went into the the Rays organization at the same time. So they had played together in high school, and I think their high school team went to states or something like that they did very successful as high school teammates but they also got to play together finally after a little bit of moving around on the high a bowling green hot rods for 63 games until nathaniel went up a notch um i thought it was cute that in 2017 when they were both playing in the florida state league for a while they roomed with lucius fox who i finally remember from your puking on the field story with the Right. To be clear, I did not personally puke on the field. Lucius Fox did. Right. Okay. But he also apparently is a very nice roommate. And Lucius Fox is from Bahamas, I believe, right? And and so didn't go home so much. So the Lowe family sort of adopted him. And and Grandpa Lowe even, like, considered him an extra, extra grandson. Um, Josh, the the younger brother, apparently the, the comedian of the family, Mentioned that the three of us, when three of us, I, I wish no, the three of them, the three of them, when they were living together in Florida, and and as you know, apartment complexes in Florida might tend to be, it was a retirement community. He said the three of them together, their combined age was the age of the average resident yeah. in the rest of the community. Nice. Um, so we actually saw, without knowing it, Nathaniel play when we saw the. Futures game in D.C. in 2018. He started on first base and went one for two. So he found out about his call-up. So the parents at this point are juggling two sons in the minors, and they're sports parents. They want to see as many games as possible. They're going from game to game. In April 2019, he gets called up, and he finds out right before midnight. And it was an away game. It was an away game in Kansas City. And he called his parents, and he couldn't get through. And they were at a hotel in Alabama because they were watching the other kids' game with the Montgomery Biscuits. So Nathaniel freaks out, calls the hotel staff, makes them bang on the door, <laughs> wake up his parents so that they could make it to his call-up game in Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. And they made it. And the video is super sweet. In his third out bat, he got a hit, and he ended up uh, scoring on it. And you can see his dad behind home plate standing up and screaming, I love you, Nathaniel, oh, after he got the hit. So very, happy. very sweet. Oh, so this was with the Rays. Yeah, good notes that I'm taking. I, I did say something about needing to review did, did my notes before we record. Did you before or after our New Year's Eve celebration? Absolutely before, way okay. before, yeah. All Although right. it doesn't, you can't tell at this point. He did play 36 games with the Rays in 2019. His first home run was off of Yankees Tanaka on July 5th after a 10-pitch at-bat. A little bit of a painful note, he had an 11th inning walk-off home run against the Red Sox that September, and then 2020 comes, and this is like a, a theme that we've been talking about. We're going to be just, saying that for everybody from here on out. We're going to have to say what happened in 2020 for yeah, every player. because they're just, it's that if you're in the minors, you're not playing, but then this is like, he had been playing in the majors for a few games in 19, so he was at the alt site. He did play 19 games in September and got it crack at the wild card game. October 2020, he was signed for the Leonis de los Cojito, which oh. always like rings bells for me. That's yep. the, the team that I've picked in the Dominican League. But to give him a lot of credit, he only lasted a couple weeks because he was afraid of COVID. And, ah. there were, and there were breakouts that, you know, winter all over the place, but especially in, in teams in the Dominican League had to suspend games. And he was like, mm, not so good, gonna hit back. So, um, he is Nathaniel Lau, Lowe, 
shit. <laughs> Nathaniel Lowe. Go for the easy one. It's right. the easy one. Jeez, you know, the, my pronunciation is just not, not so good with these names. <laughs> Nathaniel Lowe. Um, but for some reason, the media decided to call him Nate. And so there were, if you look back at articles of his early days, it's Nate Lowe, Nate Lowe. And mo his mom corrected M an MLB tweet. MLB tweeted, happy birthday, Nate. And she commented, it's Nathaniel, not Nate. Happy birthday, son. Love and it. since then, they have not fucked up. And he has been Nathaniel Lowe. With the Rays. Don't cross the mom. Yes. Don't screw with the mom. Absolutely. Um, the Rays did not give him enough at-bats, really, and weren't letting him hit against lefties. For some reason, with their, their analysis of his hitting, 45 plate appearances out of 245 were allowed against lefties. But when he, was with the, when he got traded to the Rangers, he insisted, give me a try. And in 2022, he ranked second in MLB against lefties with a three 30 average right behind your former boyfriend Andres Jimenez with 336 and he ended up with a silver slugger in 22. Cool thing baseball boyfriend points for him is now becoming part of the community so now that he's with the Rangers he has adopted Texas as his new home he's staying there in the offseason and this past November along with Marcus Simeon and John Gray and Jonah Heim they did the Thanksgiving thing with the Texas Rangers Youth Academy where they did, and what we really like is putting your, your actual body, your feet into the work instead of just signing off on stuff and handing out the food to families. And he said, it's cool to be able to give back or be part of a group that's going to give back. We truly, truly care about the community and this is a way to show. Excellent. So, all right, even though I can't say your name, Nathaniel Lau, low, low, it's just, oh, Abby, the Brandon Lau is just, just, you know, tainted me, I guess. Yeah, for, the, from the, here the taint on of Brandon right, Lau. Right, the taint. <laughs> it's just all wrong. That's just so many shades of wrong. Okay, well, I'm going to get it. I'm going I'm to sign off for Nathaniel Low. Low. Beautifully done. I got it. Shit. I should have taken your guy way easier to pronounce. You mean Smith? Yeah. You can do Smith, can okay? Do Smith. All right. My Rangers guy is Josh Harris Smith, third baseman, um, 25 years old from Baton Rouge. And what I have learned from doing this podcast is if your guy went to LSU, mm. you want to pick him. Because we've got a bunch of guys from LSU, and they know how to grow their, their baseball players there. Shout out to our friend Brian. Shout out to Brian. So um, so Josh, his godparents, got him a tee for Christmas when he was three years old, hit off Aww. that tee, started playing tee ball that very spring, and then grew to be the youngest member of a very prestigious travel team coached by a former LSU infielder at a, as a high school freshman. Uh, Josh started at third base and then immediately moved to shortstop because he was that good. And that team, while he was a freshman starting at shortstop, won the state championship. And that is at the time that LSU started recruiting him as a ninth grader. As a ninth grader? Because they saw something special there. Okay, so this kid, Josh had a hell of a 2016. These are the things that happened to him in 2016. So initially, he was drafted by Detroit in 2016 out of Catholic high school, right? So he, you know, in the, in the you know, out of high school draft 2016. Um, but his childhood dream, as for many baseball players in Baton Rouge, is to go play for LSU. No matter what, you need to play at LSU. So that same year in August, so the, you know, the 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 draft is earlier in the year. In August, there were huge floods in Louisiana, especially around Baton Rouge. Ooh. Big, horrible floods. He and his family had to be rescued from his house oh by God. boat. By <sighs> boat. Like six feet of water on the streets that it looked like his neighborhood was a lake with little houses sort of peeking up That's from the lake. So terrifying. this is horrifying. And then it gets worse. That his like dearest friend from high school takes his own life in December oh of 2016. So through high school, through, through college, um, I don't know if he does it as a pro, but he had R.I.P., DD, the initials of his friend, inside his cap. Uh, so, like, every time he plays it, every, he says, every game I think of him, and every day his family means a lot to me. His family, the family of this dear friend, came to all of his LSU games. Oh, God. So wow. they, were, they were brothers. They, and so, like he, so, he had, so he got this, you know, amazing, like, draft opportunity, mm -hmm. which he turned down to go to LSU. He then had this horrible, like, you know, household flood thing, loses, you know, his best friend, all of these things. 
So, wow. This is just like the fire yeah. that forges you, right? Wow. Yeah. He, um, as a freshman, he starts at third base at LSU. LSU went to the College World Series that year. Wow. So, wow. Okay, so amazing. His dream is to be like the starting shortstop, right? So as a sophomore, opening day at LSU 2018, he starts at shortstop. This is his dream come true. He hits a three-run home run to win the game. Oh, my God. They came from behind. They, he won the game, but he made two errors at shortstop, and defense was always his big thing, not so much his bat. Mm. And he was ticked at himself. So after the stand, the, the sold out stands cleared, he went out with you know you know somebody from the you know the the, the, you know, the team staff and a bucket of balls. And he wow. after this game was over that he won that he won with his you know his three run you know come from behind homer to field grounders because he's that guy that's going to do that extra thing yeah. to make sure he's as good as he can be. So his dream's coming true. He's a starting shortstop. Three days later, he has what they called a stress reaction in his vertebrae. Ooh. Took him out for almost the entire season. Oh. So his dream comes true, and then it gets snatched Jeez. away from him because this kid is just can't, you know, can't buy a break. So there's a lot of time in that season where he's trying to figure out, what can I do? You have back issues, right? Yeah, like, it you, doesn't go away. What can you do? What can you do? Yeah. Finally, one of his coaches finds some exercise program that works for him, wow. that, that strengthens his back, gets rid of the pain, and he's like able to kind of come back from this, but it took months and months and months. So his junior year, right? So this is year three. He's back. He's starting as shortstop. And this is draft year, right? So this is pretty exciting. And he had a great year because all of this worked. It all came together. This is where, this is where the dream happens, right? And um, sure enough, he was a second-round pick by the Yankees in 2019. Huh. But because it's, you know, this weird place, there's no season yeah. in 2020. So it's this, this is a weird, like, up-and-down thing. And then in 2021... The Rangers say, hey, that Joey Gallo guy, maybe we should make him cut his hair and go to the Yankees. <laughs> but when we do that, we're going to get four Yankees folks, right? And so um, so Josh is one of the guys that goes from the Yankees to Texas, right? So interesting. The Rangers won that trade because Yankees didn't get anything out of Gallo. They really didn't. They really didn't. And also, um, his QHAR exploded. Ah, nice. Because he's got, you know, kind of like long-ish, too long for the Yankees. He's a nice looking kid. He's, you know, he's working the hair. It's all good. But, you know, I said he's like, he played third base and he played shortstop, right? So the Rangers, the Rangers have a couple of guys. They've got Simeon. They've got Corey (laughs) Seager. That's a big one. And so what's he going to do? I mean, he played third base for a hot minute, right? His freshman year. So he says, my immediate reaction was, I should get an outfielder's glove. Find a new position. <laughs> you said for the Rangers to get both of those guys is yeah. extremely big for this organization. Those are two of the better players in the major leagues at premier positions. I think it's pretty cool that hopefully one day I'll have a chance Aww. to play with those guys. Yeah. How cool is that, right? So becomes a Ranger. The Rangers pushed him to double A after nine games at high A because he was performing so well and then they have this interesting thing that i want to learn more about this article i read referred to this leadership seminar globe life field that they invited only six prospects to but i think and and they work they work with like front you know front office folks and like and major league staff i think it's like to to like get them better acclimated to what the major leagues are going to be like Hmm. because they wanted them ready. Like when you're going to get your call up, you're going to be ready. You're going to know what's coming. You're going to understand what's happening. And what, what the, um, the folks who ran the seminar said was hopefully it will help shorten up the learning curve a bit when the time comes when they're in the big league. So they saw something in this kid that we're going to really nurture him and bring him along. Right. Um, so 2022 comes along and spring training, right? So he's going into that season. He'd, he'd only played 30 games above Class A, right? Wow. And he wasn't on the 40-man roster. But he does get a spring training invitation. And at spring training, like the coach says, well, I love what I see. I love the way he plays the game. I love everything about it, whether he makes a team or not. And it's probably unlikely at this point. Hmm. The biggest thing he can take out of this is confidence, right? This is going into this most recent season. Yeah. Where he debuted on May 30th. So... <laughs> Wow. All of that, he's great, but it's unlikely it's going to happen. Well, it did happen. Uh, you know, he started That's in AAA, fast. but he got called up at the end of May. His first game, he had a three-hit game versus the Rays. His first home wow. run was an inside-the-park home run 
versus the A's on July 20th. You know I love me an Inside the Park home That's run. crazy. Um, he is For married, jumping. and he and his wife have a YouTube channel called oh. Getting Smithy With It. And I gotta say, it's not to my taste because it's a little, um, it's a little more in your face, giddy young people stuff. There's a place for that. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. not my audience. But the one I liked was, he was not at home when he got his call up, and so it was his wife and I think his parents like FaceTiming with him when they when they when he said about the call up. And it was so fun to see their reactions. That's and how exciting so cool. it was. Like finally it's really happening. And they didn't actually believe him for the first part of it. But um, I like that they do that because it kinda documents the life of a ball player. And up mm-hmm. till that point it was the life of a minor leaguer. Which wow. I'm fascinated by. So I think it's pretty it's cool that they do that. It's impressive how fast he moved up and that he did that well yeah. debuting after jumping that fast. Yeah, so I'm um, the easily pronounceable <laughs> Josh Harris-Smith, third base, is my guy for the Rangers this year. All right. It seems like good picks. And actually, you know, despite my little political um, hesitancy, I'm pretty impressed with the Rangers organization. I have got to say between the nurturing and the giving back and the community and, the you know, the just the sense of team – that was actually one of the things that, that Josh said was mm-hmm. moving to the Rangers. He really felt very welcomed. Like yeah. they really did that extra thing to make to make him comfortable. That's whatever cool. it was. It was like yeah, you know. So the Yankees were fine, but these guys really made me feel welcome. Yeah, well, from the Yankees, any step yeah. is gonna be good. Step up. So we're going out west. Do we have more beer? <laughs> just yes, just wondering. Here. All right, I'm going to have more beer while we talk about the Rockies. You know, it's a Christmas beer. It is. It's very festive. I'm enjoying (laughs) this Christmas. It's not only Christmas. It is double 2Xmas. It's It's a 2Xmas beer. And all right, it is giving me courage to try to remember what the fuck I wrote about Jonathan Daza, who is my Rockies boyfriend. And I'm actually super excited about this guy. He's adorable. And he has really, he is interesting Q-Heart because he doesn't have the length, but it's styled. And he's got sort of like the blonde tips or at least the last time, the last mm-hmm. pictures that I saw. So he's, he's very cute. 28 years old, center fielder. And I, I went with the first impression. So I guess my theme this week is like guys that I get a good first impression with. The first thing I read about him is quote, Jonathan Daza is always dancing. Uh, And you want that guy dancing in the dugout. I just think it's good for everybody. It loosens things up. It makes things fun. And it's fun to watch. He is from a very rough neighborhood in Maracay, Venezuela, Calcaña de Azúcar, which is sugarcane, actually. Um, The murder rate there is 10 times the global average. 75% of the people who are killed there are males between the ages of 15 and 41. So a rough place to be a kid, a rough place to be a teenager. His older brother was killed when Jonathan was nine. In, in oh, He was no. shot. Yeah. So Jonathan um, out there in the streets playing baseball with whatever he could. So this was, you know, this is the the love of baseball from when you have nothing and you play with anything that there is. They played with paper wrapped with string to be balls, sticks for bats, whatever they could find. And after his brother died and his mom's distressed, a family friend sort of said, I'll help you out here and I'm going to take Jonathan to play in this local youth league and sort of keep an eye on him. And he had a couple of other siblings Um, So there was a a lot for the family to be dealing with at that time. And Jonathan was good. And he was good right away. And this guy who brought him out knew that. The kid got an agent at age 13. And at age 16, he was on the Venezuelan national team for 16 and under and got to go to Mexico for the world championship. While in Mexico, he was scouted. I mean, what a great place to be looking for ball players. He was noticed in Mexico by a Rockies international scout and signed right after the tournament. But as if things hadn't been, you know, tough enough for Jonathan as a youth, at the same time, his father died. He's signed and he's sent to the Dominican Republic. And he doesn't do well because he's homesick. You know, he's not with his family. It's not normal. He ended up playing for three years in the Dominican Republic, which is not the usual amount of time before being moved up into the minors. Finally, they sent him to rookie ball in Grand Junction. 
and he lived with a host family. And here's where I think, you know, the difference was made. The host family took care of him, taught him English. And I saw some interviews with him speaking English now, and he speaks really well. They actually helped out by sending money back to his family in Venezuela oh. when they were in hard times. And I think that was the difference that made him successful, you know, eventually. He was in the minors for five years, called up in April 2019 with my former boyfriend, David Dahl, went on the injured list. And as soon as he was called up and he got that major league paycheck, he bought a home for his family in a safer area. Oh, wow. Yeah, this guy is a tearjerker. So he played um, 44 games in 2019 and then 20 at the alternate site. He did make opening day in 2021 and 22, and he broke out, and he made it. In 2021, he was batting 282 out of 107 games. He had a couple of visits on the IL because of COVID and a cut thumb. But that year, he was third for batting average in rookies after two of my other boyfriends, my past boyfriend, Wander Franco, and current boyfriend who I just chose, Tyler Stevenson. Mm -hmm. 2022, he averaged 301 in 113 games. Unfortunately, he missed most of August because of a dislocated shoulder. But talk about giving back. I mean, I think, you know, when he had this difficult, stressful of a childhood. That's the first thing that he thinks of. He donates food back home, buys Christmas presents for hundreds of kids in his hometown, paid for cancer treatment for a kid in his neighborhood. But he says of all the work that he continues to do and, and look after his hometown, what he's proudest of is supporting their youth baseball. And he funds teams, he buys equipment, but he's taking care. And, you know, this baseball got him out. And, and there was an article that he, he said that baseball saved his life, basically. Wow. You know, and yeah. it allowed him to move his family out of this dangerous area. So he's investing in kids there also, trying to give them that that opportunity. As of the the latest I could see about family is that his mom still hadn't seen him play as, as of the middle of last season and I didn't see anything after that so he's trying to get his mom a visa to come see him play I don't think she's made it yet Wow. yeah so his final quote he said it's not easy living in Venezuela I know how hard it is and I have the opportunity to help him and he's going to use that opportunity so power to Jonathan Daza I'm excited to see how he does with the Rockies this year that is a most excellent pick. What a good guy. Um, I picked for the Rockies, Brendan Rogers. Plays second base. He's 26 years old. He's from Winter Park, Florida. This kid um, found success because of a couple of other kids his age, right? So he comes from a soccer family. His dad coached and played soccer. Huh. His two brothers played soccer. They could care less for baseball. Interesting. So he would not have played baseball, except that his next door neighbor, who had a kid his age, said, hey, do you want to come play baseball with us? And he took to it immediately. This this neighbor became his first coach, bought him his first glove. His mom said if not for this neighbor, he never would have played baseball. Mm. Since he was five years old, Brendan always answered the question, what do you want to be when you grow up with professional baseball player? And he said, as he got older, <laughs> like, you know, teachers and other people would kind of laugh and say, yeah, but what do you, what do you really yeah. want to do, right? Because that's like a pie in the sky thing. He's like, no, I want to be a professional baseball player. Well, the other kid that he played with was um, Bo Bichette. You may have heard of Bo Bichette. Your former boyfriend. So Dante Bichette, who you also mm -hmm. may have heard of, is hanging around when his kid is playing baseball Holy and shit. he says um he's talking about brendan rogers family and he says i remember he was six and one of the first things his dad told me was hey we don't know a lot about baseball so i think we might just put him back in soccer and i was like listen i don't know how good he is with soccer he might be the next pele but i can tell you right now the kid has a serious future in baseball he was six wow and dante bichette is saying this kid is going places you gotta listen to that right Right. He also then said that the, the way um, Brendan Rogers moved on the diamond was ways small elementary school children weren't supposed to and that he attacked <laughs> the game so hard wow. that there was no chance he wasn't going to be a very, very good player someday. 
But it wasn't just this natural talent, which thank God they they were able to find At because of six. these like chance, like here's who I live next door to. Yeah. And oh my God, we've got a former MLB player's son here who's like watching out for him. But he also works extremely hard. So in high school, he practiced at least an extra hour every day. He'd come an hour early to feel grounders, take batting practice, to put in all of that extra work all week long, every week. He, um, he committed to Florida State after his sophomore year in high school. Again, you know, the recruiting mm-hmm. happened young. His high school coach said sometimes there were 60 scouts at a high school baseball game. There are high school baseball games that don't get 60 people in the stands total, including the parents. There were times there were 60 scouts that came to see Brendan Rogers um, play in high school. And so he's getting like all of these letters. There's all this press about him. And he said, I read it all, but I tried to get a big head. I just go out and play the game I've played since I was five. And he said one of the things that really helped him was that his high school team, most of those kids on the team are from the hood. So he's been playing with them since they were 10. So these were like known, these were his buds. And so that really helped him not get like freaked out by this whole thing. So even though he had committed to Florida State, he was a first round draft pick (laughs) out of high school. He was the number three overall selection in 2015. The Rockies picked him in the first round behind Dansby Swanson and Alex Bregman. Mm. So that's a that's pretty good company. To, if you're not going to be the number one, yeah, between you know behind Swanson and Bregman is pretty good. So a couple of highlights between then and now. Uh, in 2017, when he played for High A Lancaster, he hit 409 in May, 414 in June. Um, he was the first Lancaster player to hit over 400 in the first half of the season since Jose Altuve in 2011. So again, he's huh. following some pretty good yeah. footsteps here in. Um, he debuted in May of 2019 versus the Phillies, and he played only in 25 games total because he got sent down and back up, but also he had, a, he had shoulder surgery. So there were, there were things that happened. And in 2020, he was out for most of the season for shoulder for that, for that same That's injury. That's a good season to be out. <laughs> but here we go. Right, right. If you're going to yeah. – yeah, it's a shortened season anyway. But in 2021, he became the first player in franchise history to hit his first two career home runs as a pinch hitter. Oh, super unusual. Right. Um, and also, so, you know, it took him a long time to get to that first home run. Right. Because his, yeah. you know, his call up was in 2019, his first home runs in 2020 because he played so few games and all of this stuff um, The he was the first in the whole league since my former boyfriend, Lane Thomas, hmm. hit his first two home runs as a pinch hitter in 2019. So this past June. June 1st versus Miami, he had a three-home run game, including a walk-off two-run home run in the 10th inning. So it seems like it's all coming together, finally, for Brendan Rodgers. So this year, defense is sexy all the time. He got his first gold glove. He got the um, Fielding Bible Award for a second base. So that's two important defensive awards this year. He's got long hair, but I didn't get a good enough look to see if it's quality uh. or just quantity. So I'm not sure <laughs> what the cue hmm. is there, but I'm really excited to watch him play more. And now I'm confused. Do we need two stats? Like no, a no, we don't. And a no, no, it's all about quality. No, qual- just, we just care Qual- about quality. Anybody can do, qu- well, not anybody. A lot You're of, most right. people can do, <laughs> a lot of people no. can do quantity. <laughs> Um, Not everybody. Right. Yeah. Sorry. No offense to anybody out there who's trying really hard for quantity. Right. You just can't quite get there. Hey, next week we've got the Angels and the Marlins. The Los Angeles Angels. I love that because that's the the Angels Angels. And I know I say the, that the every Angels, year, Angels. but it's so but exciting. Wait, why would you stop saying that? Because right. it's so great. It's so in Miami, Marlins. Oh, boy. We're hey, going to be in Miami. We're going to be in Miami. We're going to go to their ballpark. We're not ever going to shut up saying we're going to go to Miami. So excited to yeah. go to Miami. Hey, come to Miami with us. Come see us, yeah. buy us a beer. Maybe we'll buy you one. I don't know. Uh, there's it depends be. how it works. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. So previous to or prior or before all those words <laughs> before the, at some point that was not yet now right before all the before the world baseball classic happens in miami where we're gonna be in march there's gonna be the serie del caribe which we it's also a super fun thing to keep track of that's gonna be the first week of february in caracas venezuela so we're not going to that one yeah so if you want to go 
Tickets should be on sale pretty soon. There were, you could do the same thing that you could do with the Arizona games for the World Baseball Classic, I believe, and get like the full strip, like you could buy the whole Serie del Caribe. But single game tickets are going to be on sale in January, theoretically. Maybe they'll be more reliable than the World Baseball Classic if you want to go to Caracas. Caracas these days, rough. I mean, you know, as forementioned with Jonathan Daza, Daza it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a really, really tough situation right now in Venezuela. So I'm a little bit nervous about this. There was actually the when the Women's World Baseball Classic was in Venezuela and there was a player shot. I believe we talked about this ages ago. But it's it's that kind of like, oh, shit, could something terrible happen? I'm, I'm hoping that everything goes really well in Caracas. The economy also, and this is a brand new stadium while the economy in Venezuela is crumbling. I don't know. I'm going to keep following and see what happens. It has been expanded to eight teams this year. Cuba and Curaçao are joining Venezuela, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Panama, Colombia, and the Dominican Republic. And the opening game is with the two new teams, Cuba and Curaçao. Most So this is different from the World Baseball Classic in that the Serie del Caribe is teams that are the championship for their country, and then that team goes with reinforcements, so it gets a little bit like mixed up. That team, though, goes to the Serie del Caribe. So it would be like if the Houston Astros went to represent MLB in this right. tournament. And luckily, we don't have to do that. And, and, no offense, folks. And usually by that time, there aren't any more MLB players mm. still playing because right. they've moved on to either um, spring training or it's close enough to spring training that their teams say, okay, you got to stop now. Yeah. 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 Or in this case, I mean, maybe they're working on the World Baseball Classic teams too, mm, which is going to be, sure. you know, very interesting. So there are um, – most of these leagues are in playoffs right now. So we don't know which teams are going to the Serie del Caribe yet. So you could start paying attention to all of these individual leagues. I, of course, have um, long-time faithful fandoms in each of these <laughs> leagues, including in Mexico, the Pacific uh, Mexican Pacific League, Liga Mexicano de Pacifico, starts on the 6th of January. So pretty soon their playoffs are going to start. The Naranjeros, which is my team, is looking pretty good. I think they're going to make it to the playoffs. In the Venezuelan League, I'm going back to my original pick, Cardinales de Lara, because Anzuategui got eliminated. So the Cardinales are looking good. Um, Ida Margo Vargas, so Vargas of the Nationals, is crushing it, I believe, and I'm going to click really quickly, I believe he's third in batting average right now. He is. So, you know, I don't know how long the Nationals are going to let him go. We'll see if he makes it to the Serie. Um, Yadier Molina is coaching the Navegantes de Magallanes, um, and he was criticized a bunch when it first started because the team wasn't going very well, but... They pulled up and they made it, and they're going to be going to the round robin stage. And he gave a very nice speech to his guys there. Very proud of them and giving them credit for putting in the hard work. In Puerto Rico, their finals are going to start in a few days. So they've still got, on the 6th, they've still got a couple days left as of the time of recording. And last week we talked about um, Mako Oliveira being uh, coming in as a new manager for the Indios de Mayagüez and what they wanted to happen has happened and he is closing the gap and the Indios might be making it. They've got a couple days left, but they went up from fourth to third at this point. So they, they have a really good shot of making it to the finals. My Gigantes de Carolina also have a good shot, but nothing is set yet. The only team that is clinched is the Criollos de Caguas, which is Alex Cora's team. Um, so yeah, Serie del Caribe, that is what's happening. Uh, if you want to watch, uh, Mexican baseball at the, the, so there's two Mexican leagues, right? There's the Pacific League, which is the winter league. And then there's the Liga Mexicana de Baseball that happens at the same time as MLB, the MLB, the LMB. Yeah. Just scramble the letters a little bit. Fernando Rodney, the Energizer Bunny who we adore is still playing and he was traded. He was actually the reliever of the year in the Mexican league with the Toros de like Tijuana, right? something like that in 2021. And so he's going to be playing this year. So if you like your little, you know, had a skew Fernando Rodney action, check out the Diablos Rojos in Mexico when you're not watching MLB games. 
Very nice. Other excitement for the World Baseball Classic is we've talked about Cuba issuing invitations Mm -hmm. to MLB players of Cuban descent, but as it turned out, they weren't allowed to accept those invitations until last week when the United States granted a license to the Baseball Federation of Cuba, allowing MLB players from Cuba to represent their country in the World Baseball Classic. So this is interesting on a couple of ways. In the past, Cuba has not invited players who have defected, and really most players from Cuba, maybe all, who play in, 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 yeah, all the players who are from Cuba who play in Major League Baseball had to defect from Cuba in order to play. In the in MLB, so they have not invited those. And just this past November, they have started to issue. They started to issue like like you said, like Luis Robert. Yep, and you're um, Cespedes. Yep, and then there's a couple other players who are eligible, like um, Jose Abreu. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's several Cuban, right. Cuban players, right? Um, so now they can, in fact, issue those invitations and have them be accepted. Now Cuba was kind of pissed that the United States was getting in the way before. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is no longer in the way, but it was still like really didn't yeah. have to be as complicated as that. So interesting. See, the the final thirty-man um, rosters for World ba- World Baseball Classic teams are due February seventh. There there was this movement. Movement is that the word? Well, I don't know. Say I'm, more I'm, words. And I'm we'll almost there. at the end of my beer. The, there is a a thing happening among <laughs> Cuban players in MLB saying that they wanted to form a Cuban team that was not connected to Cuba. They wanted to be like the uh, Cuban expat team and not let Cuba in as an official World Baseball Classic team. And among those players was the guy that, you know, I really would rather not have to talk about, Aroldis Chapman, who has come out and said that he will not play for the Cuban team because of bad feelings about he doesn't want to be on a team that has anything to do with the Cuban government. So I... That's all right by me <laughs> to, to not so have to align that team, but in the yeah. World Baseball Classic. That's what they had wanted to do, but that did not fly. And so Chapman is not going to play for the Cuban team, no matter if he's invited or not. I don't know if they extended an invitation to him, but yeah, there's it's it's a rough situation. Politics, I don't know. So now that we have plans to go to Miami. I'm thinking that it might be plans to maybe go to Canada because the ninth. Uh, Women's Baseball World Cup is going to be happening actually in 2024, but they have it weirdly split. The group phase is happening in 23 over the summer. There's going to be two groups, Group A and B. Group A, as well as the finals, are going to be happening in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So that was just announced. So I'm thinking... I, I, I Thunder, no Bay. Thunder Bay. I have is, no idea boy, where. Does that sound exciting. Right. We need to look this up on a map. So there. It sounds like it should be a Patrick Swayze movie. <laughs> Thunder, Thunder Bay. Bay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to take part in that movie. All right. <laughs> so group stage. There's going to be two groups. There are 12 teams involved in the group stage. Asia still needs to have its qualifiers to figure out. Who gets their four spots? I'm guessing Japan, who wins every Women's Baseball World Cup, is going to be one of them. There's going to be some others. But for the Americas right now, they have four spots that go to Mexico, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. Europe has one spot that goes to France. Oceania has one spot that's going to Australia. And then there are two wild cards. One's going to Canada, and one is to be determined. I'm really hoping that's the U.S. because those women are working mighty hard. Sure. Um, So... I don't know. More flights, more excitement. I would love to see a woman. And and well, we'll see. I don't know where Group B is going to be taking place. Although it might be, I'd guess it's going to be on the other side of the world if Group A is going to be Ontario. But Could I don't be. know. We'll see. Could be. Um, just a quick update on the minor league mm. union situation. Uh, it's been very quiet publicly, but doesn't mean nothing is happening. Um, and things I read reminded me that they're creating their collective bargaining agreement from scratch. All of the negotiations when we talk about MLB are all, here's the document we've been working from. What changes do you want? What changes are you demanding? For the minor leagues, there has never (laughs) been a collective bargaining agreement. So they are drafting the entire thing. So the MLBPA, who represents both the major leagues and the minor leagues, has submitted wow. several proposals that so far, so cool. and the league will begin responding in the new year, so any any time now. It's not bad. It's just this is the process it's going to be. The minor leagues are saying, this is what we want, and then the league is going to say, here's what you can have, and then they'll work 
through that. It's all happening quite privately now. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. negotiating over social media like what was happening, you know, eventually with MLB and, and the major league players. I think they're res- reserving like their big guns of public support. Like you remember it was the minor league players and a couple of organizations like advocates for minor leaguers and mm-hmm. all these really speaking out and having players telling their stories, which really pushed this along. So I think that the, the union is aware that they have public support, but they don't need that yet. I think what they want to do is say, what, how far can we get before we pull out the big guns before our secret weapon of, you know, all the people in the world who think we treat our minor league players like shit, um, you know, come after us. Mm-hmm. There's the goal on both ends of the negotiating, both sides of the negotiating table is still to complete the first CBA by the beginning of spring training. That's so not a lot. It's a couple months. It's pretty soon. It's pretty soon. I mean, we haven't started our countdown yet for when pitchers and oh, catchers report. Shit, which, we should do that. We should do that pretty soon, but it's going to be mid-February, so mm. that's coming up. Um, hopefully enough work has enough of the groundwork has been done with minor league players and these organizations to to get sort of the basics in place. So it shouldn't hopefully won't be too contentious, but it's gonna be contentious. It's at least there's something. At least like we're talking about like this is crazy. Like it's amazing that we're talking about this. Thank yeah. God. It's so overdue. So overdue. So overdue. Um, can I tell you a thing that I did over my um, my my last trip, my, yeah. my my last holiday trip? Um, I did some cross training with hockey, but I oh, did it um, nice. in fiction form. Oh, so <laughs> I think before I in the past I have recommended Frederick Bachman's books, um, his his Bear Town books, uh, Bear Town Us Against You, and I just read his final book in this trilogy um, called The Winners. And I wept openly in the living room at my in laws' house. They were very Aww. concerned about me, but it was it was a good weep. Um, so it's about community. It's told through small town hockey, but people who love sports will get it. And it will, it will it, you know, I kept saying I, this book is gutting me, but in a very good way. It's also about parents and it's about kids and it's about all the parts of a community and how they can work together for good or for not good. And it's fantastic. So if you want to cross train by reading some fiction and thinking about hockey and thinking about small towns in Sweden, as it turns out, but you know, don't <laughs> worry, you can read it in English. I highly recommend Frederick Bachman's Beartown trilogy. The most recent book is called The Winners. And just for the record, we, we, we've been doing like the book club thing. So last week we each talked about a preview book. I did finish Rod Crew. Th- like this is what happens when I break my toe and I'm on vacation. I actually finished Rod Crew's memoir. Definitely the, the, the you know, takeaway for me, definitely not Jewish for sure <laughs> by the end. Again, that was because you were fact checking the, the Hanukkah, Hanukkah song. song. Right, right, okay. right, right, right. So absolutely, you know, by the end, he, his second wife not Jewish and he went to church with her and stuff like that but um but definitely an in, it's a remarkable story like he's also somebody whose personal story is really worth getting into you know despite the the amazing career what I was trying to look up your kid actually texted me a very sweet um video from uh Pasternak of the of the Bruins because mm-hmm. they're having the winter classic Fenway Park. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I'm trying to, it's January, so that would be tomorrow, January 2nd. All right, so I didn't miss it. J- tomorrow, Fenway Park's going to be a hockey rink. Should we come over and watch at your house? The, oh, wow. Do you like how I ask you over microphones that, or being recorded right. so you really can't? That's, what time is it? Oh, I don't two, know. 2 p.m. Eastern. I don't know. It's on TNT. All right, we have to ask tech support if this is possible because okay. actually we might have right. to do this because hockey at Fenway Park. Right. Like how cool is that? It's all and, cool. And, and Pasternak like went all out. Like he's got this stick that has all this – he has a David Ortiz symbol on it and like – the, the scoreboard from the big monster, and it's, it's the coolest thing. So I like it. Check it I out. I like it. Also, um, I had mentioned that I was going to go see hockey on New Year's Eve. It didn't mm. work out because we made a reasonable decision like, you know what, let's not kill ourselves trying to get back from upstate New York to here in time to go to a hockey game. And I'm trying not to be bitter that we missed an Alex Ovechkin hat trick. Holy shit. He did that? He did really? that. That's all right. He it's, did that. It's fine. He'll do he'll another do one. That's, that's twice in the past couple of weeks. Right. I mean, he'll just keep doing those. It'll be fine. Right. It'll be fine. It's not like he's close to, you know, like Gretzky's numbers yet. <laughs> 
Anyway. All right. Wow, we did this a long time again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my friends, if you have friends or family who you think would like to listen to us talk about baseball or hockey or fiction or, or, you know, hockey in Fenway, which Mm -hmm. is true and not at all fictional, please let them know about the podcast. Um, Feel free to look up some old episodes. Um, Look up those uh, other boyfriends of the past. Gosh, if you can leave us a review or a rating, we would appreciate that. We'd mm-hmm. love when you find us on social media. Absolutely. Twitter is still there, believe it or not. So NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram, this is really good beer. It's empty. I love it when the beer matches the podcast length. Like, I'm just at the end of the beer. We're just at the end of the show. No crying in b-ball at Facebook and Instagram, folks. Also, we are, we are super close on Patreon to breaking even. I think we're like one or two patrons away. So Patreon. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball. And, you know, let us know what, what would make it worth your while for us to put out there on Patreon. I've been putting our outtakes up there, which are sometimes amusing and sometimes maybe not so much, but... It's but been, don't let that stop you. Yeah, right, right, right. But there's other fun stuff. And also, just, yeah, yeah, another reminder: um, if you are planning on going to Miami for the World Baseball right. Classic in mid-March, get in touch because we would love to meet you in person. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we 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 like to meet people in person. We're sure. sort of friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, and then there's usually beer involved. Right. So that's okay too. Oh my gosh. So please, um, get your booster before you meet us in Miami, because <laughs> right, because you know, that would be bad. Right. right. Fight the man is the right thing to do. Um, those game balls you've been holding on to, please send them to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. And they build themselves as an Italian pub, which already made me go, hmm. It's someplace we can bring Vinny Pasquantino.